It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Chris Foster. Chris and Laura Didier stories all too common now. Their son died of a drug overdose a year and a half ago. Zach Didier was a high school senior in Rockland, California, 17 years old. He spoke with his parents and cut it down for the regular podcast. What you hear now is the entire talk, plus a conversation with Fox News medical contributor Dr. Mark Siegel. They're all featured in the first report of a series across several Fox News platforms called Fentanyl, the Poisoning of America. If you're a regular listener of The Rundown, thank you. Extra thanks if you've subscribed. And now here are Chris and Laura Didier on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Well, first, uh, Chris and Laura, let's just start with what kind of kid was Zach like um, when he was a teenager, when he was younger? Yeah, I'll, I'll get started with that. Um, Zach was just the kind of kid that every parent would would hope to have. He was a super happy child, inquisitive, um, you know, just a, a good listener, loved his dad, loved me. Uh, he had two older siblings who just doted on him. He was just a great kid. Everybody liked him. He enjoyed, you know, trying out new things. He was uh, taught himself how to play piano. He was an athlete and he just had a giant heart. You know, since losing him, we've had so many young people reach out just to say, you know, Zach was always smiling at school. He he always tried to cheer you up if you seemed sad. He always tried to encourage people. And um, he was just really fun. He was funny. He was smart. Um, and just a real had a real driven, you know, attitude. Oh, every kid, not every kid, a lot of kids experiment with drugs and alcohol. And he thought he was buying a Percocet, which is, you know, almost as innocuous as you can get. Um, tell me about how you found out later how he got that Percocet and 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 just what happened that day. Well, um, what what we learned was that Zach was approached by a drug dealer on, on a social media platform called Snapchat. And uh, he was, uh, it was a, his understanding that he was taking or, or acquiring a, a legitimate pharmaceutical grade Percocet pill. And why he wanted to take a pill like that, we, we may never know. Uh, whether he felt it would help him with any uh, stress to manage stress or anxiety or to manage pain. He liked to work out a lot with his friends, uh, particularly one friend, and they usually work out in our gym. And I think it was about two or three weeks before Zach asked me, can I take, you know, is it safe to take Motrin more than what's recommended? And I asked him, well, why would you do that? And he said, well, when I do my pull-ups, the, the chains that are around my neck would kind of cause me some back soreness and neck soreness. And I, I said, I wouldn't recommend, I recommend not doing anything more than what's prescribed. Maybe you shouldn't be doing so many pull-ups with chains around your neck, but he liked to work out and be what would be fit. And he was motivated to, to build muscle mass and endurance and strength. So it's possible he was thinking maybe a, a pain medicine like a Percocet could help enhance his workouts, or maybe he was looking for a high or a combination. Yeah. It was I'm, experimental in his life. From that, it sounds at least, uh, again, you're right, you'll never know, but it sounds like he may have been not even trying to get high, so even more innocuous. Um, 
uh, how does what have you learned since about drug dealers uh, just reaching out to kids on social media to sell what they're selling? You would think it'd be the other way around where the buyer would seek out the seller. We were so blindsided by this. We, Zach didn't have a history. Zach was doing great. Um, and it was a real shock when we started doing our, our research on this because there was no awareness in our area. Um, it, these pills were just starting to come into our area in 2020. So even our law enforcement and public health officials were trying to really understand, you know, what they were seeing with these tragic numbers of deaths. And yeah, it's it's been very eye-opening to see just how accessible these drugs are to our young people, either direction, whether they're looking for something or they're being approached, you know, it, it goes both ways and it's so accessible and, and, and lethal, of course. And these were just things we were naive to, you know, because drugs and, and alcohol um, misuse had not touched our family. Our older two kids never had any kinds of issues. They're doing great. And Zach never had any kinds of issues. So um, it's been a real eye-opening experience. I don't want to delve Chris, too. Yeah, go ahead. There are two discoveries when we uh, when Zach died. First one is that social media platforms are almost like a grocery store to per, to purchase pretty much anything under the sun that a person under the age of 21 cannot purchase because they're not legally allowed to go buy liquor in a liquor store or or in a, to go into a dispensary. Um, so they can get it off social media and it, it's anything and everything imaginable from products or, or paraphernalia. And I didn't know that. Um, the other big discovery was that there is deception, uh, that includes selling and marketing, uh, counterfeit prescription pills, pills that look like legitimate pills, but they're actually fake. They're as counterfeit as a counterfeit hundred dollar bill because they have the same shape size color markings but they're not what they are being marketed as and the idea is to convince someone like hey you don't have to deal with the hassle of going to a doctor and convincing them of giving you a, a prescription you can just get it on your own and I, and when when we learn about what happened to zach and shared this information with his friend group uh i, I were very very close to all of his friends because of our experience and, and just the fact that they're neighbors and we're a very close, small group of, of community of friends. Uh, having coached Sack in his soccer team for six years, I, I know them and their families and everyone, including all his friends, were truly shocked that there was such a thing as a counterfeit prescription pill because prior to Zach's death, none of them had even heard of that. They, they, they knew that you can get edibles and vape devices and puff bars off social media. And, and they had heard about prescription pills, but they didn't know that they were counterfeit prescription pills. So those two counterfeit prescription pills and social media having uh, providing accessibility are the two main uh, discoveries. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. It sounds like part of education now from parents to kids and the teachers or whoever else to kids isn't just so much, hey, kids, don't do drugs. It, part of it has to be, okay, don't do drugs, but you might do drugs. And if you do, here's why it's even more dangerous now. 
Absolutely. That's why uh, as we were getting our, you know, gathering our information, because when they had found Zach, uh, Chris found Zach and the paramedics came and, you know, tried, you know, to work on him, but it was far too late um, for him. And it was the coroner's office when they came um, that first, you know, mentioned about fentanyl and and it, it was just because of this trend, because there were no drugs in Zach's room. There was no um, evidence of drug use, you know, to him physically. So it was just this giant mystery. But the coroner said, we're going to suspect that we'll find fentanyl in his toxicology report. We dove into our research while we were waiting for the results. And and even before we got them, you know, we talked with each other and said, if, if they confirm this, then we're going to be as vocal about this as we can be, um, because like Chris mentioned, all of Zach's friends were just horrified, you know, that that they didn't know about this, that this could, you know, take one of their best friends, this young man who was just at living at the top of his game. And so that's why we go to high schools, we go to middle schools, we go to community organizations and we share Zach's story. And and exactly like you said, it's just giving them that education so they understand the gravity of the of the risks that are out there now. Yeah, I was talking to other excuse me, I've spoken to other parents and family members in your situation that have uh, sort of tried to turn their loved ones drug death into well, not, it'll never be a positive, but to try to save other kids and other families from the same from the same fate. Um, does it make you feel in a way like? Zach is still with you. You know what I mean? Like, is, is it a way to keep him around? I absolutely feel that Zach, uh, his story is an opportunity to remember that every life is far more than the tragedy of their ending and sharing his experience and how he was victimized and sharing that this is not an isolated incident, it's happening at a, an, an alarming rate in our country. I feel it helps make me feel connected to Zach and that we're doing his work for him because I really believe that had this tragedy happened to one of his closest friends and he learned that there was deception of this new danger, that he would want to get the word out and help save his friends and prevent further loss of life. And doing that for him makes me feel a little closer and connected. Yeah, I was just going to say, we, we've been so grateful. Our county, our, our county and our neighboring county, Sacramento County, and our county, Placer County, when we decided to go public, they um, they really met met us where we were and said, let's partner how can we get you know help amplify the message and there there have now been psas featuring zach's story running on tv in our local theaters now there's a psa that placer county did that runs before um the movies start so during the previews and i have friends messaging me all the time saying i was at the movie and i saw your beautiful boy and and so um he is staying alive through all of that and you know, making a difference in, you know, in our community, his story is, is really making a difference. So it does keep him alive in that sense. There are a number of, of stories that Laura and I have learned from friends that we know and strangers we didn't know beforehand where they they shared that your story, I think, had a direct influence on my child or my child's friends. Um, and many have said, I think that story saved my child because they watched Zach's story last night. They don't know Zach, but 
they admitted never having expected that they would have done this, but they were, they had admitted that they purchased something on Snapchat just the night before or the day before, and they were looking to take it to manage anxiety, get a high managed pain. And they didn't, they, it really scared them. They didn't realize that, Oh my gosh, could this actually be a counterfeit? And they had their products tested and well, guess what? It was, counterfeit it was with fentanyl in it and could have killed them so there's no doubt in my mind that when a family hears our story and and sees that there's a new danger it's coming in a different package is marketed as something that's legitimate and safe when in fact it's not and there's deception behind the danger uh it's it's helping them see the light and you know see this danger in a new light and and uh, i feel like it's definitely a, a positive uh, re, uh you know positive ending on it the young man who's accused of selling the pill or pills that uh that killed your son he's, he's been charged with involuntary manslaughter can you tell me the the status of the case there and how he was caught and, and how you feel about all that yes he um he was caught fairly quickly because um, Zach's girlfriend knew his his phone code and was quickly able to get it unlocked for the investigators. Um, there was a plethora of evidence on Zach's phone um, to lead to you know positive um, ID and arrest. So we've been Zach's case has been handled you know in my opinion very well by our local district attorney. It is not a federal case at this point. It's with our local district attorney's office. Um, we um, obviously can't speak too much about the details of it. We're due back in court at the end of the month um, where hopefully they'll either there's potentially a plea um, in the works um, that we've talked with the district attorney about, you know, our feelings on all of that. And um, we really try, you know, we really trust them because they are, um, like I say, handling Zach's case with with compassion. They certainly have really um, stepped up addressing this crisis in our in our area but we'll be back in court i believe it's the 27th of june chris do you remember uh 28th yeah and then we'll see if at that point it'll either be a decision if a deal will happen or if we're moving forward with a trial well and to clarify chris mm -hmm. uh involuntary manslaughter is one of multiple different charges and uh because of the growing attention and and efforts to to minimize um, you know fentanyl related deaths that our district attorneys are throughout our state are, are increasing their efforts to try to bring heavy charges. So as Laura mentioned, we may be going one of a couple different paths here. Hopefully by the end of this month, we'll we'll find out more. And to answer your question, how we feel about it, you know, it's very troubling. Regardless of the outcome of, of what happens with the perpetrator and how he's sentenced, it, it, it never really will feel fully like there's justice that's been served. The only real justice that could be served if, if this young man that's being charged and convicted, if he can be forced to make a time machine and go back and bring our child back. But we know that can never happen. So whether he gets a, a small charge or life and sentence, it, there's only a certain limit on it. However, I cannot imagine this. It would be very unsettling if this young man goes back on the street and continues his his nefarious and illegal uh, work and potentially kill other people who are unwittingly consuming fentanyl.
So I think they need to keep him behind bars for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Zach, again, was 17 when he died. But to you, I mean, you you experienced his whole life. When you talk about him, when you think about him, I imagine you're you're all over his life. You know, hey, remember when he was four and did that? Remember when he was 10 and got that hit in Little League or whatever? And you're, you must sort of relive uh, his life in, in, your, when, in talking about him, right? Absolutely. I, um, you know, and with Facebook, you know, you get those memories that pop up every day, you know, so I'm so grateful for those. They'll, and I'm grateful that I posted about my kids a lot because those memories pop up and it's like, oh my gosh, I remember that, that moment. And I would just encourage all parents take pictures, take videos. Um, I know sometimes people will say, oh no, don't do that because just live in the moment, just soak it all in. But you never know if at some point some tragedy could happen and that's all you have. So, I mean, I watch videos of him and look at pictures of him all the time because it's, it's uh, 17 years goes by really quickly. And that's all that I got with him. And he was so amazing. He really lit up a room and the void of his, you know, not being here, it's, it's moment. It's, 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 it's huge. It's just so big because he played piano constantly, he constantly filled our house with music and, and, and silliness and fun and, and debate. He loved debating, uh, you know, the, the political, you know, topics and, and all kinds of different things. He was just really fully engaged in the, in the world. And, um, so yeah, I do still feel like he's with me and, and all of that is, is beautiful, but but having him not physically here, it's it's excruciating. It's an anguish that you just you can't describe. Really, only another parent who has gone through this and losing a child can really fully understand the anguish of it. Laura, Chris, I'm very, very sorry for your loss, and uh, I I think that you probably are saving lives, and um, that's a good thing. Uh, Laura and Chris, did you you can hear more of their story on this uh, Fox Nation special? Fox Nation series, Fentanyl, the Poisoning of America. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank, Thank you. you. And now Fox News medical contributor, Dr. Mark Siegel, featured with the Didiers in this Fox News report on fentanyl. Okay, Dr. Siegel, let's start just 101. Explain again what synthetic opioids are, what is fentanyl supposed to do? Fentanyl was developed decades ago as a pain relief for cancer, terminal cancer, because we found that when we were episodically giving opioids for intractable pain from cancer, that it wore off. And we found that a fentanyl patch, I found that a fentanyl patch was something you could put on and get continued relief over a period of time for somebody that was in intractable pain. My job as a physician is prolonging life and relieving suffering. And fentanyl helped me to relieve suffering. There's not a lot of evidence that using opioids in the setting of cancer or terminal illness actually decreases lifespan, by the way. There's no evidence that doing that shortens lifespan. You know, we have, I've seen incidences where that's happened, where doctors have dialed up the morphine, but overall it's a way to make the patient more comfortable. And it had a very, very positive uh, view. The problem is that over time, fentanyl has been abused, not just by people uh, in the prescription drug market, more more by illicit use by chemists who got a hold of the formula for fentanyl and basically started to market it to to make it in China and then send it all across our southern borders, where where drug uh, 
drug abusers got a hold of it and salesmen sold it and then it got added to uh pills that appear to be different pills like adderall like percocet where where literally you're you're not getting what you think you're getting you're getting fentanyl there's a huge danger in that for me as a practicing physician because because fentanyl is 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine so you might imagine even a little bit of it can suppress your breathing morphine suppresses your breathing heroin suppresses your breathing 50 to 100 times more than that you may stop breathing before you know what hit you and worse because as i said it's a long-term formula even if i were to get you some narcan i.e an antidote for it it wears off and the fentanyl doesn't so you literally would have to go on a narcan drip in the hospital until the fentanyl wore off uh, a corollary of that final point is that is that the, the illicit drug chemists are making it even worse with a drug called iso isonitazine is actually 20 times more powerful than fentanyl. It's a cousin of fentanyl. It too has been around for a while. And they're now adding that to the picture. And that's now creeping into the market and making it harder and harder for us. And it's the reason that more and more people have di- are dying of drug overdoses. <laughs> Economically and chemically, why would would drug illicit drug dealers, drug cartels, drug, man, uh, drug dealers, why would they want to step on their product. I understand that you want to dilute it and make more money off what you have, but why would you want to dilute it with fentanyl and potentially kill your customers? Chemically, what does adding fentanyl do to Percocet, Adderall, heroin do? Well, two things. First of all, they don't care about the life of the patient. That's obvious. You know, there's there's a disregard for human life here to begin with. And that doesn't, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say they're deliberately murdering people, but they certainly don't care. Number two, you already hinted at it. It spices up the product, so it gives you more oomph. So somebody taking it feels the the jazz of it, feels the power of it, the 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 rush of it, and they like it. The third part of it is that it's cheap. It's a lot cheaper than some of these other compounds. Remember, they're making things to look like something else, and so they got a lot of fentanyl sitting around. They just stick it in there. Just to take a bit of hysteria out of it, not that it's not a very serious problem, but you see these videos of police officers on at, at, at crime scenes touching fentanyl and then you know collapsing to the ground and 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 uh, and appearing to be an overdose. But I've I've read that that is abs- that's just chemically impossible. You have to ingest it. Um, so what's going on there? Yeah, I agree with that. And the CDC and NIOSH has been pretty good on this. I I don't believe. I think that that's disinformation, and I think it's been promoted too highly, and I think that it's not, it's not powerful enough so that it's seeping in through your skin and that if you're an emergency worker, you've got to watch out what you touch. I do worry about that slightly when it comes to ISO, though, which is way more powerful even than fentanyl. But overall, that's a way to make the very people we need to come to the rescue worried. And, and, and I don't think that I think that a lot of police officers and emergency personnel believe that that's true. But I don't. Yeah. Uh, the Biden administration has announced this plan uh, to decrease overdose deaths by 13 percent. It doesn't sound very ambitious, but it's, you know, thousands of lives. Um, what is the what can government do here? Well, government could start by recognizing the problem, which this administration has not been doing in a lot of areas. But the problem has mushroomed because of the pandemic and the mental health crisis we have in the United States, which is directly proportional to the amount of increased 
uh, substance abuse we have. People worry they're stuck at home. They have anxiety. They're popping pills. Then the next thing you know, they don't have a prescription and they're going around looking for something else. The, the drugs are sitting there in medicine cabinets. You know, drinking is up. Alcohol is up and, and drug use is up. That You'd have to start by acknowledging that and that healthcare providers, mental health providers are scarce, that they're underpaid, that they're not, we don't have the outreach we need. All of that is part of it. Rehab programs have been shut down because of the pandemic. We don't have as much outpatient and inpatient rehab going for drug problems. Another thing, and this is really important, and you only are hearing this from me, medical training does not really cover this. We are not taught about pain in medical school and in residency. Uh, pain was we were taught was the fifth vital sign, meaning that we're underappreciating it. So a lot of doctors started contributing to this problem by overprescribing opioids. I think now the medical profession has become very aware of this problem existing, but that doesn't mean we're being taught alternative pain treatments. How else can you follow this? What about physical therapy? You know, pain is pain after all, but but maybe yoga will help. Maybe physical therapy will help. Maybe acupuncture will help. Maybe non opioids will help. These are things doctors need to learn. And at Brown University, where I've been part of opioid panels, they're also graduating their medical students with the ability to prescribe Suboxone, which is buprenorphine and, and, and naloxone together, which has been shown medically assisted therapy has been shown to be very effective at helping to fight this problem. Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical contributor. Dr. Siegel, good to talk to you again. Thanks. Great to be on with you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.